Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I understand that many of my fellow members of Kinlock have reached out, so if you stack this one up like boxes of Skechers or X chairs, I'll understand. <laughs> Thank you again for providing so many great things throughout your career. This is, I can't, I say this all the time, that I can't begin to tell you how touching these things are. But they are. People are reaching out to say, here, you, you talked about this. I can make this happen for you. Yes, love it. It's really nice. I don't think this happens when you're a writer in a newspaper. <laughs> and I know it doesn't. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I'll give you a little inside baseball on what happens sometimes with the PTI show. Yesterday's show was a complete jumble. It went upside down at about 3.30 or 4 o'clock, totally upside down. Um, I was ready to talk in detail to the degree that PTI lets you talk in detail, but certainly talk from the heart about my personal feelings about Kyrie Irving and his espousal of anti-Semitism and talk from the perspective, which I would have said, of being Semitic myself. Um, and I was going to say, conclude, as I've said on this show, with his, I, I would just get rid of him. You know, I would tell him, I'm going to pay you because it's my fault for signing you to this contract. I'm going to pay you. I just don't want you on this team. I don't want you anywhere near this locker room. I don't want you anywhere near these players. I just don't want you here anymore. I don't want to look at you. I would rather lose without you than win with you. And then I would have said, and then I would publicly say, I'm accepting any trade offers. Whoever wants them, I'll, you know, we'll work it out. And I would have said, if I own the team, I don't own the team. This would be me. In other words, I'm not saying that Joe Sy has to do this because I don't believe he looks at the world in the same way that I do. I bring to this particular issue certain emotional responses and certain DNA situations that are different than Joe Sy. So I was going to do all of that. But then, at about 3.30, we got word that Steve Nash had been fired. Not technically fired, mutual agreement to leave. I'll bet he couldn't wait to get away from that, <laughs> that bunch. Um, and so, I didn't say those things about Kyrie Irving on TV. In fact, what I said about Kyrie Irving on TV was, you know, the narrative has changed. And maybe the Nets have done this deliberately because they didn't want people focusing on Kyrie Irving. But they just got rid of a coach, and they're talking about bringing in Ime Udoka. Well, this is a wow, not because he can't coach. He's a great coach. But because less than two months ago, the Celtics said, we can't have you in our building anymore for at least a year. Your behavior was so bad, so unacceptable, that we can't have you here. And then the Nets would hire him. Is the league going to allow that to happen before a thorough investigation is done on what Ime Odoka did? Which I don't know. I just go by what is being reported, that he had a relationship with a female staffer that was considered to be beyond the rules. That's all I know, and I don't even really know it. I accept that as reporting. So I assume that in a circumstance like that, you know, if you have... Daniel Snyder being investigated for creating a toxic workplace between men and women, then I would assume that in the NBA, the League of Equality, NBA, the most progressive league, that they would do an investigation. I assume that. I assume that that would be important to Adam Silver. And so I assume, and maybe I'm wrong, that Adam Silver might say, hold on a second about hiring this particular fellow. We want to vet this. I didn't say all of that, but I certainly did say at one point, does this not wake the echoes of Deshaun Watson? I mean, you're going you're gonna to do this this quickly? You're going to do this? Just put your arm around him? And I know I said that on the air. So that was one story that got jumbled. We were going to do a story about the Cincinnati-Cleveland game, which is a terrible game. But we're going to talk about Joe Burrow getting knocked down all the time and Jamar Chase not being there and whether or not Wilbon and I completely underestimated the effect of not having Jamar Chase because it's possible that 10 years from now, Burrow to Chase is going to be one of the top three to five passing combinations. Going to be like Montana to Rice. It's possible that's going to happen. They're real good. 
But then the trade deadline happened, and there were a bunch of little trades, but they cumulatively added up to something that we felt we ought to do. So it was, it, the entire day on PTI was in flux because of things that happened that you have to react to. You know, and you have to be ready. You know, you're not, we're not a live show, hardly ever, but we're taped and we finish like 5.20 and we go on at 5.30. So you got to be able from 4.30 to 5.30, you got to be able to change things around. That's, you know, as Don Draper would say, that's what the money's for. <laughs> so you have to do that. Uh, I just thought I would tell you about that. Um, the headline for me going into tonight or going into PTI's World Series. Philadelphia has pop. Philadelphia had 205 home runs this year. Philadelphia, they are not a team that rallies. They don't have slap hitters. They don't have runners. They don't build a five-run rally with seven hits, singles, and maybe a double. Some teams do that. Philadelphia gets up there and hits it out of the park. They hit a lot of solo home runs because the guy before you just hit a solo home run, so you don't have anybody on base when you hit a home run. Harper... You got to give it to him. What a sense of the moment, right, that Bryce Harper has to hit it out at home in the first game, Two pitches, in the first inning. And the NLCS and open up, the, <laughs> you know, open up your World Series at home. Yeah, yeah. And he bangs it out. I mean, come on. <laughs> now you, if you're a Nats fan, you can, you can hate him. I get it. I don't anymore. I, I, you know, the Nats won a World Series without I, him. I don't hate him at all. It's just fascinating that you look at a player where you were tied to his, his – his uh, welcoming to the yep. Major League Baseball yep. scene, a scene that hated him in Philadelphia. Yep. To see those throwing at him. Yes. And if you're if you're listening and not necessarily looking as he walks up, you hear the music and you're transported back to a couple of, you know, uh, NLDS uh, series that ended a little bit too early for you. But he, he has owned baseball. If you look at the... Great player. If you look at the yeah. way they have tried to leverage this TV Two package... MVPs. He is it. Yeah. And if you look at the rule for the uh, the universal DH, he's not he's not even a player anymore. He, wouldn't, he is a coach. He had a broken thumb. I mean, next year he'll play in the field, he's, but he he's giving play. He's giving last-minute tips to other players who are then taking the ball out of the park, immediately watching video as they go back into the field. They had five home runs last night. <laughs> they had five home runs. I got, a, I got a message from a friend of mine that said, it looks like Philly knows what's coming. And I said, wouldn't it be great if they were cheating? Perfect opportunity. No, wouldn't it be great? They would, who would suspect People them? would just be like, right. okay, don't do it next time. But, you know, have you checked the trash cans? Yeah. So they had five home runs? With the four home runs. How many? I think it was five. I think it was so five. Harper had one. The entire lineup had one. Marsh had one. Bone had one. Hoskins, Hoskins got in the Hoskins park. Hoskins got oh, yeah. one. Got in the yeah. game. And, and Schwarber. Schwarber. That's right, yeah. Schwarber doesn't get anything. Schwarber's hits go out at 300 miles an hour. They may stay in the yard, but they go by somebody at 300 miles an hour. And he doesn't get that many of them because he probably bats about two. Well, and you forget what happened in game two where he had the two back-to-back, uh, could have been, should have been home runs. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I mean, he's a hitter. He is? That's what he is. He's a hitter. Great clubhouse guy. You know, guy you uh, want. Well, we had him. I know you had him. Then my team had, had him. him. You, know, you, look at, yeah. you look at the impact of one Wilbur rain. Wilbur loves him because he lived in the same one building. One rain post. <laughs> yeah. Well, they see some in the elevator. You look at the, the impact of one uh, rain out and how it allowed them to change their pitching. And you looked at what happened with pitching Suarez when you so, wanted him on full rest. Thank you. Because this leads into another mea culpa by me. When we decided to do... The World Series story, the story was going to be about the notion that the rainout helped the Phillies and hurt the Astros. And I said, well, what, what is this based on? It's based on the fact that Ranger Suarez is going to go in game three instead of Noah Syndergaard. I said, let's not get carried away. Ranger Suarez is not Sandy Koufax. He had 29 starts during the regular season. He was 10-7 and seven with a 3.65 ERA. So I don't think anybody in Philadelphia is saying, oh, you know, in Houston is saying, oh, they're bringing in Ranger Suarez. We're dead. Well, he was Sandy Koufax. <laughs> he gave up no runs, three yeah, hits yeah, in pretty, five innings. But the first inning showed you everything you needed. He, he got him were, out on three pitches. Three pitches, and he was just owning east-west on the edges. He was getting a lot of, just a lot of called strikes. The that umpire were strikes. had a liberal strike zone, and I thought it was a great strike zone. 
Let's stop wasting time here. Let's strike <laughs> some people that's out. That's the power of a pitcher getting in rhythm, where once you get one, you're going to get a few more strikes, and then you start looking for it. I hate when they squeeze you low and high. Yeah. I always thought it was the letters, and, and, and it, they do it. It's the middle of the stomach. It's wrong. This guy had a, no, I don't cool. know who the ump was. He had a great strike zone. He had the right strike zone. He had the strike zone you grow up with. I think it was Bill Clem, wasn't he? It was not Bill Clem, and it was not the Cowboy. It wasn't him either. Um, and Tom- right. Thompson continues to make the right moves when it comes to when to uh, leverage those, uh, those bullpen arms he kept. His bullpen stinks, one more except that they've had four different guys throw one inning each and give up nothing. Yeah. Philadelphia can win. Do I think Houston is the better team? Yes, I do. Do I expect Houston to win this game tonight? Yes, I do. But Philadelphia can win. Philadelphia is now, for those keeping score, Philadelphia is 6-0 at home in the playoffs. 6-0. Houston was 3-0 on the road. They're not 3-1 on the road. Philadelphia was 5-0 at home. They're now 6-0 at home. Well, how comfortable do you feel if you're throwing Verlander in a potential game-saving World Series? Is he, is he pitching game four? No, no, no. I'm just saying it now five. matches it up could where be five. he could be pitching. The, the He's a Cy Young Award winner. I know he's had terrible luck in the World Series. I'd put him out there over everybody. I would put him out there. That's just me. Plus, it's Kinlock. You know, we got a chance. You don't want to knock him. It's a chance for us to go. Do you think Dusty uh, kept McCullers in one inning too long? He was getting racked. But he yeah. had, he, in, those early, in those middle innings, he was getting quick outs. It's just at a certain point, even if you have all those games in a row, you got to keep the game close. I said to Wilbon two weeks ago when they started to play San Diego, I said, I'm going to pick Philadelphia because the top of that lineup, and I listed Schwarber, Harper, Real Muto, and Hoskins. I said, they bang it out. And they got pop. And he said, they got more pop than the Dodgers? And I said, no. He said, look what San Diego did to the Dodgers. These were both fair points. But as it turned out, I was right. And I would say the same thing about them now. I, I would pick Houston to win. Still, down 2-1. Still, I would pick Houston. But I'm not going to do that if, they, if Philadelphia wins tonight. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do that. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, is it Pat Forty or Chuck Todd? Chuck Todd coming Chuck up. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Daphne Ekman with an original music submission. This is called Ghost. And she writes... I began watching PTI with my dad back in 2001. I've been watching religiously ever since. I discovered your podcast a few years back. I feel like a turd Ferguson for not knowing the stinkiest podcast on the interwebs, but I'm thankful it exists, and I look forward to the new episodes weekly. Oh, this is, okay, so this is not, this is Daphne singing, but this is not written by Daphne. Anywho, Daphne is my niece and a 20-year-old singer-songwriter out of Annapolis. She planned on attending college for music last year, receiving full-ride opportunities to the music programs. However, due to the pandemic and restraints on college campuses that ensued, she decided to take the last year to write and perform her music full-time. This is the result of some of it, and we'll read more of this later. Um, This is from Robin Ekman, the proud uncle of Daphne Ekman, and this is called Ghost, and it plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck had a good week. He lost the first two games on the board and then won the next five. Five and two to finish 28-28-1, and that's okay because you're at 500, except he's getting killed by everyone else. Carville, who now sends in his picks because he can't be bothered actually going on the air. Carville was 5-2, and two, won four college games. He's 21-13-1. Jeff Ma was 3-2, and two, he's 20-15. And, and Reginald, who I, I can't not remind you, is a monkey, was 2-1 and one and is 15-9. and nine. Reginald. Six, six games over. Got this uh, nice email, Chuck, from Dan Moore in um, Winnipeg in Manitoba. When you were talking to Chuck Todd on Wednesday... Can you ask him if he has considered having Reginald on this Sunday's Meet the Press to get his predictions for the midterm elections? When asking about various races, Reginald can hold up pictures of him 
riding up San Juan Hill with Teddy Roosevelt, hunting for gators in Louisiana with Huey Long, playing touch football in Hyannisport with the Kennedys, and this is my favorite one, dressed as a barber and giving Nixon a shave in a circa 1960 black and white. And just... Nigel, you've got a new writer. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's pretty fun. That's strong. All right, five and two. Some games uh, I don't understand. You know what? The more I watch football and the more I pay attention to the lines, the less I understand some of the lines and what they're doing. The Los Angeles Chargers are three-point favorites at Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's a really good team at all, but Atlanta won the coolest game of the weekend. The game with Carolina where 50,000 touchdowns happened in the last three minutes and then went into overtime. And then, and then they, the kicker for Carolina, Pinheiro, I can't believe they haven't cut him yet. Yeah. That was really good. Atlanta, they're at home. The Los Angeles Chargers, I assume they had a bye week last week. Yes. They've been somewhat disappointing this year, right, Chuck? Who do you like in this game? Yeah, no, they've been very disappointing. And yet um, Atlanta, I can't, I mean, it's a strange team. Um, they've got all these weapons, and then they've got Marcus Mariota. Yeah. You know, that doesn't yeah. quite fit. Um, I don't know what to make of them, but they may end up in, you know, they can end up in the Somebody's got to make the playoffs. From that division. Division and stinks. Seven teams, seven teams have to make the playoffs, whether we like it or not, in the NFC, which is also why I have no idea. If, if someone can tell me what the Packers are doing, if you sign a, a guy for four years to, to, you know, you have a win now, you should actually make a trade. And Sorry. It's just, I just needed to vent about that for good. a second. It's good. Um, I, I, I'm only going to go with the Chargers by default, that week off. And, and usually Atlanta won a game they shouldn't have won. That's right. And you like to bet against a team that won a game they shouldn't have won. Pure okay. bottom line. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Um, last week, Chuck made money <clears throat> by taking Green Bay with the points in Buffalo. Uh, it was 11 and a half, and it was a 10-point game. Buffalo is on the road at the Jets. They are giving 13. I, I know the Jets are really hurt by the fact that Brees Hall isn't there. Nothing left, yeah. Yeah, I know that Zach Wilson looks like he doesn't know what he's doing at least half the time. I know it's a division game, too, which tends to be a little bit tighter, but maybe Buffalo wants to prove something. But 13's a lot. Where are you going on this? I'm, uh, this is a tough game because I, I think the Jets, I, I just think it, we learned that, oh, my gosh. If they've got to have Wilson win this win these games, he can't win a game. That's right. I mean, that's just pure and simple. Um, but the other thing we learned about the Jets, by the way, one good draft and you can turn your team around. Uh, for what it's worth, I mean, they, you yeah. know, they, they this revamped Jets team is thanks to that pretty good draft that they had as well. I'm going to roll with the Bills in that I think they care about being the New York team uh, a little bit. You know, at least I'd like to at least create a narrative there. That's what do I know on that. Yeah. Uh, but they no, they I, are I technically in New York. Yeah. They're the New York's only football team. So, yeah. you know, yeah. let, let's, let's let New York have its. They're in New York and the that. Jets and the Giants are not. They're in New Jersey. That's true. That's true. A long time ago, um, I was working at the New York Times. It's like 50 years ago. And a guy, a running back, I'm pretty sure his name was Terry Miller and he played in the Big 12, got drafted in the first round by Buffalo. And his quote was, wow, I'm going to New York. And I remember thinking, <laughs> no, you're not really. You're not going to New York. You're going to Buffalo. Yeah. Like, you're going to Ohio, son. You're not going, yeah, you're to... Not, you're not going to the city. Right. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a, here's a, a game, a number I'm not sure I understand. The Los Angeles Rams, and they've been bad this year, relatively speaking, but they have only lost to really good teams. Twice to San Francisco, one to Dallas, one to Buffalo. Really good teams. They're getting three at Tampa Bay. Um, uh, Tampa Bay is a tremendous disappointment. I don't know if Tom Brady snaps out of it. I always, it's hard for me to bet against Tom Brady. LA Rams getting, th- I'm just surprised they're getting three at Tampa Bay. What do you think? Well, it's the old rule of you give, if you're not quite sure, give the home, you know, if you think it's a coin flip game, give, and just Tampa's getting a little bit of, of home yeah. field edge, right? You yeah. know, three plus a plus a hook there. I, I'm, you know, I, I think I took Brady in the points last, last week. I, I don't think I'm going to do that again. Okay. I think it's, you know, unless there's some post-divorce euphoria that he's in. I wouldn't right? think. Now, yeah. now that it's announced, maybe he feels better. I don't know. Doesn't seem, does seem as if he's a little bit distracted this year. And, and can I just tell you, 
The idea that he's not would be crazy. He's a human being. Yeah. You know, so of course he's distracted. I think we all know exactly why he stinks this year and why this team's a mess. He's distracted, pure and simple. Give me the Rams. I agree. I agree with his, with him being distracted. I don't know how this whole thing works, but it seems like they got that divorce very quickly. It seems that the legality of it went very quickly. My, my guess is it sounds like you have papers drawn. You, you, you yeah. had certain agreements drawn up perhaps at the beginning of a marriage. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and you, you just go, sort of abide. And it was yeah. like, oh, look. Ding, ding, at ding. 12 years, you get this. At four, if, you, if the marriage lasts 14 years, you get this. Okay. Both of them make $40 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Seattle is at Arizona. Seattle is the most surprising team in the NFL this year. Geno Smith is so much better this year than Russell Wilson. Um, Seattle, I think, is 5-3. and three. They are on top of the Western Division of the NFC. They have already beaten Arizona, but this is in Arizona, and mm-hmm. Seattle is getting two. Who you got? I can't believe Seattle's still getting points. Yeah. I can't believe Seattle's still getting points. I love this game. It's my favorite game, which means to go with Arizona. But, no, seriously, I cannot believe Seattle's getting points. Arizona's terrible at home. And is Pete Carroll not coach? Isn't he, he knows what he's doing. I have to tell you, I think this guy, you know, it's funny, you know, because he had a, a tough start to his professional coaching career before he went to USC, you know, he never gets the same sort of coaching accolades. Certainly not Belichick. That's a whole That's separate right. category. That's or right. Saban. That's a separate category. But isn't Carroll right next door? He's very good. Table? I mean, isn't he really close? He's, I mean, he's won a national championship and a Super Bowl. And, not a and lot of not guys. That, he, look what he's doing now. I sort of admire what he's doing now as much as anything he's. I done. thought that was a four-win team, and they're you, five and alone. three. You know, you're not alone. You do this yeah. for a living. All, all you experts thought that. That's right. I'm not. Sure. I'm not. You know. No, I, I did. I've been on the other side of. Hey, you experts told me Trump, Donald Trump couldn't. Win. Should have gotten rid of Russell Wilson earlier. Apparently. Mm-hmm. All right, we move on to an enormous number. I mean, if if you if you look at history. Recent history, last year, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. They're at Kansas City, and it's tough to win in Kansas City, and it's tough to beat Mahomes, and it's tough to beat Reed. They're getting 12 and a half. They've won five games in a row, five in a row. I don't know Mm -hmm. who their quarterback is this week. I don't know if Tannehill is back. If it's Malik Willis, okay, maybe that explains it. Derrick Henry rushed for 219 yards last week. Tennessee's getting 12 and a half. Are you tempted? I'm a little tempted because of Vrabel, um, because he's, he is sort of like that junior Belichick. He has a way of, of, especially in a game like this, he has a way of coming up with a game plan that just sort of slows things down. But isn't the Santa Reed off a of bye week? Yes, where they yeah, always I win. I think this is why, exactly. They I think this win. is why that number went up. This is... You know, the yep. whole, wait, what's he going to implement? You know, look at what they did two weeks ago. They got more of those receivers. It's a lot of points, the, though. It's a, it, it is. It's a lot, 12 and a half. But a lot. did you see Malik Wilson? I mean, Yeah, he was terrible. Way, he's, he's how bad can't. is the Houston run defense? Everybody knew only one guy was getting the ball the whole game. <laughs> and it was just That's like right. old-fashioned football. Okay. Hey, we're going to give our biggest guy the football. You try to tackle it. Yeah. And um, so you you'll, know, it was, you'll it was take like Kansas Campbell. City. I, I, yeah. Okay. I'm in trouble here. It's a mistake to take both double digit favorites. I know this. Yes. I know it is. Yes. But I can't you do it anyway. It's so stinky, right? But can you, would you want to put your mortgage payment on the line for the Jets or the Titans? No. Players? No, I would not. We move on. Another line I'm not sure I understand. Baltimore is a good team. Baltimore's had fourth quarter issues, but they're a good team. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, until last week, was not a good team at all. Baltimore's going to New Orleans, and they are only a three-point favorite. And I am a little surprised at that. Is that based on just this last week's game? Hey, I think that's based on your, the body of work. You said it yourself. When does the Ravens how – how often do they win by more than three? They, no, they don't necessarily. And they're bad in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they have I mean, no defense. I, I understand. I'm with you. I think, I think Baltimore is sort of the next team, right? If you believe it's like Buffalo, Philadelphia, Kansas City, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost willing to entertain that argument there. But, um, 
Um, Will you take Fred one more time? Three. Yeah, one more time? Three. Three. Minus three, Baltimore. Only yeah, three. Yeah, I'd rather be with I'd rather be with uh, with Lamar than Andy Dalton. Okay. So we'll take Baltimore. And one mm-hmm. more game. And I don't understand this spread at all. Minnesota is six and one. Now you may not like I don't like Minnesota. I think when the light is on, they melt. I don't trust them at all. But yeah, they're but six a, and one. It's a one o'clock game that only people in Washington and Minnesota get to watch. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> six and one, and their quarterback used to play in Washington, mm-hmm. and he's going to be motivated. They're only minus three and a half over the Washington football team, that is much better in terms of spirit with Taylor Heineke. The players love Taylor Heineke, but I don't know how long he rolls and keeps winning. I. Even I, I think, would take Minnesota on this. What would you do? This is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, this is, this is a Washington home game, right? Yes, at Washington. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that hook bothers me. Uh-huh. I mean, the I, half? I, that, that, that half point. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, I, I would certainly feel a lot better being on Minnesota's side without it. I, I'm, on, I'm on the road too much this week. Give me... Give me um, Washington at okay. home. By the way, there used to be a there used to be a political an election weekend. It was so I really actually ought to take ought to be taking Minnesota. I believe the rule was if Washington uh, football team won their last home game before the election, the incumbent party was successful. And if it was some, they were on this streak for for some time. Yes, and, I remember that. You know, I remember. Yeah, there was some. Now I think it got broken at some point, just because, you know, when you're as bad as the Washington football team has been for two decades, you sort of. That's right. You blow all those. Uh, but you'll stats. you'll take Washington. That's interesting. You won yeah, with them last I, week. Well, I, I, their defense is good, and Minnesota has a. They're not trustable. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Can't trust yeah, them. They're sick. That they're a. That's a six and one team. I, I I think you know the Parcells, right? The your record says. I, we, I think I use that line a lot. They don't. Are they a seven and one team? I mean, maybe they will be. But I, I don't know. Has me nervous. All right. Okie dokie. All right. Good luck with all of these and uh, enjoy well, next it's election week. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's where my head is at. So that that'll be my excuse. So I'll probably do really well this week. That would be great. <laughs> And, you know, if you get down, just call Carville and try to understand what he's saying. It'll just be a fun well, conversation. Car- Carville, you want to talk about somebody that's ready to rant, and it could be about football. I know. But Carville may be ready to rant pretty soon against a certain wing of his own party. We'll All right. Later. Thank All you, Chuck. Chuck Todd. Yeah. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, it would be more than enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Reginald's got the vibes. Bud, too. Sometimes he throws poo, 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 poo. When he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. So what happened? Who does he have? He's two and one. He's fifteen and nine overall, and he's a monkey. I know he's uh, he's having a brilliant year. And I went down to the National Zoo uh, as I like to do uh, and confer with him on these matches. And uh, he was busy with his campaign, as you know. He's running for the the, the councillor spot in Ward Two. Yeah. Um, and his promises: he's promised to fix the roads and free grubs for everyone. In fact, his slogan is "A grub in every pot." That's great. So not sure if he's got any ties to Herbert Hoover. With have that. I told you what my Slogan would be if I ever ran for office. What's that? It's honestly, it would be, we're better than this. I'm sure. We're better than this. Come on. I would vote for that. Yeah, we're better than this. I would vote. Well, come on. Maybe you'll give a vote for Reginald next Tuesday. Um, So we we took a break from the campaign to uh, go over some of these matches. And the first one we gave him was Tampa Bay at home giving three to the Rams. And he showed me a very recent photograph of him driving a U-Haul and helping Tom Brady move cardboard boxes out of their mansion. And it appears as if Brady is crashing with Reginald at Reginald's pad down in Tampa. I feel badly for Tom Brady. I do too. I just feel badly for Tom Brady. This is going to be his last year and he's going to go out badly. I feel, and I know this seems ridiculous, I feel like he's a guy that was at the blackjack table way up and you're like, Tom, maybe you should leave now. (laughs) Right. And now he's like the end of that Albert Brooks movie, Uh, like all the money, the nest egg is gone. the nest egg. (laughs) You didn't do it with our nest egg. Yes. So uh, so he's going to take Tampa with that match. What's that called? Made in America or Traveling in America? It's got America in the title, Lost in America, maybe? Lost in America. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Terrific. Oh, the nest (laughs) You could be the casino that gives us back the money. Yes. 
so the next match we gave him was uh, Tennessee on the road at Kansas City. Big getting, number. Getting 12 and a half. And this was a very old photograph. Uh, I, I don't know when it was from, I guess, the 60s or 70s, of him at Graceland jamming with Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. I guess Fantastic. This, was, this would be the million-dollar quintet. Yeah, yeah. So he's got ties to the uh, the Tennessee area, and he will take the Titans with that. And the last match we gave him was, of course, uh, the Vikings coming to uh, the Nanders uh, and giving three and a half. And this is a nice photo of him deep-sea fishing for Tarpon with uh, Keith Millard, Les Steckel, and, of course, Bud Grant. So he will take Minnesota. He yes. has. He has... He has been aligned with Chuck Todd most of the year. Yes, on the on the on, Washi- the, on the Washington football team. Yes, but not he's this breaking time. away. Yes, Chuck Todd took five road teams and a couple of big point spreads. I, I think I would have taken Minnesota. Yeah. I, I just I'm not I do. sure. I'm not sure I trust. I and I don't trust them at all. Yeah. All right, we will take a break. Pat Forty. When we return to talk about college football, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Daphne Ekman. Her uncle Robin Wright, she has been performing around the state and has been working on her first full-length album slated to be released in the spring. I'm playing drums on the record. I guess you can teach an old dog new tricks sometimes, along with Graham Furness on bass. She has released three singles from the record, which is being recorded and produced by Shea Springer at Sweetfoot Studios in Easton, Maryland. Available for unbridled, enthusiastic listening on Spotify and Apple. And Robin writes, on a connective tissue note, my dad would babysit Daphne as a toddler sometimes. And she would watch PTI with my pop at 5.30, so she got excited when I told her I was planning on sending her music to her favorite angry orange TV uncle (laughs) that she doesn't really remember because she was two. Hope you enjoy her songs as much as I do. Maybe one day she'll open for Dan Byrne or The Who. This is called Iris. Michael, if people like Daphne Ekman... Want to send in their original music? How do they do it? Uh, please send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And if you're asking, that is Daphne, P-H-N-E. Found it on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Really good. Pat Forty joins us now. We haven't talked to Pat in a while because there hasn't really been news that Pat covers in a while. There's some, but not really. It's hard to compete with the World Series and the NFL. But yesterday, the college football playoff poll, the first official one of the year, was released. And the top four, I was surprised at this. The top four had one team that I didn't think would be in it, and the team on top, I didn't think would be on top. Tennessee was one, Ohio State was two, Georgia was three, Clemson was four. Where are you on that top four? Uh I would I would have had Tennessee number one. Uh, I would have had Georgia two, mm-hmm. and then Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. To me, are all kind of a clump three, four, five in whatever order. I think the last I, I think I had Michigan three, Ohio State four, and Clemson five. Uh, you know, I think the two SEC teams are ahead. They're going to play each other Saturday, yeah. and help straighten that out. Uh, eventually Ohio State and Michigan will play each other and help sort that out. Uh, so, you know, they, it, it was an interesting first look, that's for sure. But uh, it didn't necessarily portend massive controversy yet that I saw. Yeah, I, I didn't think Clemson would be in it. I thought Michigan would be yeah. in it. I mean, I just – I have – I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on the SEC and the Big Ten. I'm looking at their expansion plans. And I'm thinking to myself, they're better than the others. So Clemson and TCU can pound sand that they're not going to, you know, that's, that's how I feel. Is there, is, do I speak for a lot of people now or do I not? I think you probably do. Uh, although the funny thing, like the expansion hasn't happened yet. I know. You know so. I know. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I think that a lot of people look at that and say those conferences have, have distanced themselves from everybody else. Michigan's problem which was 100% self-inflicted, was playing an atrocious non-conference schedule. Right. 
Right. They dropped the series with UCLA on on their uh, doing. That was their idea. I believe they also have dropped the series with Virginia Tech so that they could play zero uh, Power Five non-conference teams. And they play a Colorado State team that's horrible, a Hawaii team that's horrible. It's so bad that UConn is the best non-conference game they have. And they so stink. yeah, yeah. And I think that the committee is is penalizing them for that for that. Um, but what does it tell you that Alabama is six and TCU is seven? Alabama has lost and was in a very tight game, and TCU's been great. And yet the committee is looking at it and saying, right, you're just not as good as Alabama, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. And, I, yeah, that, I would have had TCU ahead of them, absolutely. Um, I felt bad for TCU seeing that because that's, that's a little bit of the, you know, the laundry making the difference. Alabama's uniforms, you know, if they really played that well, I don't know. I mean, they they were a play away from losing to Texas, a play away from losing to a very bad Texas A&M team. Yes. They did lose to Tennessee. Uh, TCU's done everything right. And this is where, Tony, this is why the whole premise of what they're doing is so dumb, of having this Tuesday TV show five weeks before the rankings ever matter is you put this commissioner or the, or the selection chair up there to answer questions, and inevitably he's going to say something inconsistent or nonsensical to defend rankings that don't matter. But right. he gets up there and says, well, we're looking for complete teams. And that was TCU's problems, apparently, is they don't think the defense is as good as the offense. Well, gee, last year, who won the national championship? An all-time great defensive Georgia. team that was okay on offense. Right. That wasn't a complete team. That was a defensive juggernaut. Alabama's won titles that way. But you talk yourself into a corner with these explanations when you should just get up there. If you're going to have the TV show, get up there and say, we think Alabama's better. They've, they play in a tougher college. Or no, whatever what the you case say. may be. And then, you, and then you say a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. And then you get off. <laughs> And you'd say to Reese Davis, why should I talk to you? I mean, what's in it for me? All right. uh, Tennessee, Georgia. When was the last time that was important? Ooh, uh, boy, a long time ago. I mean, they, you know, Tennessee was last good in 2007. And Georgia, Georgia was was good that year, too. So, I mean, maybe then, maybe then. But in terms of being really big like this, it's never been this big, I don't think. I mean, you can go back to... The Herschel Walker days, maybe when you know they they probably when Herschel Walker ran over Bill Bates at the goal line as a freshman. But I mean, this is this is what the SEC East had, what it used to be with uh, with Tennessee and Florida. Uh, this is this is kind of what their version of LSU Alabama, and they're going to be on the same day. So it's mm-hmm. a huge huge weekend at the SEC. Wasn't it Steve Spurrier who said you can't spell citrus without UT? Oh, yes, he did. It's <laughs> yeah, a great line. Uh, let me stay with Tennessee for a second and talk about Josh Heupel. He looks like Ralph Cramden's love child, doesn't he? <laughs> Don't you think he looks – doesn't he got a Ralph Cramden look to him, doesn't he? I mean, he does to he, me. He, he does not look like a former Heisman runner-up quarterback, no, I would say. He <laughs> no, he doesn't, really. Um, all right, let me get to this game. Uh, so we had to talk about this yesterday on PTI. And it is the question of who needs it more. And I said Georgia. And the reason I said Georgia is because Tennessee's already got a better win. Tennessee beat Alabama. And if Georgia loses this game, they can't get to the SEC championship, so they cannot redeem the loss. Whereas if Tennessee loses this game, they still beat Alabama. Are you with me on saying Georgia needs it more? Or do you say, no, Tony, that's stupid? No, I think you're right. Um, you know, not only that, yes, that they their non-conference. They, they, I mean, they had the awesome win over Oregon, which if you Oregon bet. ends up winning the Pac-12, continues to gain currents. Right. Uh, but in terms of what else you can put on the resume, uh, yeah, I think that, that Georgia needs it more, especially now that we've seen the rankings. And Georgia yeah. is three and Tennessee yeah. is one. So, uh, yeah, they both – they they need it more. Although I do think I do think it's possible the losers c- c- can very well get in. We'll see. And they, hey, the Armageddon scenario is not out of the question. Three SEC teams. So this in. is exactly where I want to go. It is altogether possible that Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee will end the season and the SEC championship each with one loss. And 
I don't think you can kick any of them out of the national championship. I don't think you're going to find two better teams. What do you think the committee will do? I think the committee would have a hard time pushing that through. While you are, I mean, I am not arguing with you that that would be three of the four best teams. Yeah. And this is why Mike Slive, in his infinite wisdom, fought Jim Delaney tooth and nail on this to say the championship or the playoff should be the four best teams, i.e., as many of our teams as deserve to be in there from the SEC. And they could be deserving of three, but I have a hard time seeing a nationally based committee walking out of there and saying, yep, here's the bracket with three SEC, one Big Ten. Let's get out of here. I just, I think the pushback would be so significant to that. It was big enough when they had two. You give them three, woo. I think it'd be great fun. I think, if, again, if they told Clemson and TCU to pound sand and took Ohio State, Michigan winner, I mean, more people. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be fun to do. All right, let me get to the Auburn guy. Why did they hire this guy and they fired him in an hour and a half? What is that about? Well, I mean, truly, like, Auburn is the, 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 the crazy millionaire in the, in the rich neighborhood, you know, where the, like, the, the mom and the, the, the wife and the husband are out in the yard throwing things at each other. You know, it's just like constant dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, mayhem. They fire everybody. But, they fire everybody yeah. who wins a championship. They fire them. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they've, had, they've had three undefeated seasons in the last 30 years, and they've gotten rid of every one of those coaches who had those undefeated seasons. Yeah. They, that's, that's how they roll. Um, so, they, look, Harson was a bad fit to begin with. They whiffed on several people they were trying to hire. It was a hard hire because people couldn't believe, first of all, they fired Gus Malzahn. It was like, you want to get hired by that group? They'll kill you. Yeah. Uh, secondly, the athletic director and the president were like, we're tired of being of this school being pushed around by the boosters. We're in charge. We're making the hire. Well, they didn't make a very good one. Um, and then, lo and behold, of course, the, the boosters began sabotaging and undercutting Brian Harson last winter. And so he was DOA this year no matter what. Yeah. And then he lived down to it with a terrible season. Uh, and so they, you know, they got rid of the AD and then they got rid of the coach and then they hired, this is my, my favorite part of the whole thing. They hired the Mississippi state AD the week that Auburn plays Mississippi state in football. <laughs> so, so SEC, it hurts. You know, he's going to have to like go to the Bahamas for a week and just hide because yeah. he can't go to that game. No. Uh, and no. then they hire, they're going to hire a new football coach and lo and behold, if it's Lane Kiffin, I'll die laughing. Um, is it going to be Deion Sanders? I don't think so. Uh, I could see a lot of reasons why it could be and should be, but I don't know whether Dion wants – you know, I think Dion's more of a, a city or a, or a metropolitan area guy. Auburn is not that. Uh, could, he, could he do it there? Absolutely. Could he recruit like crazy in yeah. Georgia and Florida and, and Alabama? Yes. But, I, you know, I think that – I think Auburn might be too small town for both for Dion and for Auburn to to want Dion. Do you have some sense that who would want Dion? Yeah, um, I mean, like, I think Memphis definitely would want Dion. Memphis still has a coach, but if they continue to perform poorly and change coaches, I, I, yeah, uh, I think the Florida State coach Mike Norvell is going to save his job, so probably he's not going back to his alma mater. Right. I think Arizona State should take a strong look at. Beyond, I mean, you are in the Phoenix area. Uh, you know, it's it is a big city, it's a growing area in terms of players. Uh, if I were Arizona State, I would want Deion Sanders. Okay, Pat, thank you so much. We will we will be calling on a more regular basis as we get closer and closer to the championship. Thank you, Pat. You bet. My pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Pat, forty boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
here comes Tony's mailbag. I can't Going to read some faxes and Tom your Bosser. notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Going to read some for all your folks. Going to read some for all your folks. This is fantastic. I love the way he says going. I love the way he says that. Going. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel in? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You would as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com. For a location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and I will have... Nigel, why don't you tell the story of this song? I said to you yesterday, hey, I think you're going to know the quote from Not the Not sure, book. but, you know, and I said... Pretty sure. You said, give, 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 give me, me the, the first, first line. line. And he said... Come and talk of all the things we did today. And I said, here, and laugh about our funny little ways while we have a few minutes to breathe. And I know that it's time you must leave, but darling, be home soon. I couldn't bear to wait an extra minute if you dawdled. My darling, be home soon. It's not just these few hours, but I've been waiting since I toddled for the great relief of having you to talk to. And then did the whole song. Did the whole song. Did the whole song. Yeah. Love and Spoonful song. No notes. No, no teleprompter. No. <laughs> because I know the song. Thanks to our guest today. It's a great love. I love the love and spoonful. Yeah. You got to be 70. And that song you recommended to me, Younger Girls. Younger Girl, beautiful. Terrific song. Yeah. Yeah, really like that. Yeah. yeah. They're great. They're pretty good. Mm, they're great. Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Pat Forty. Thanks as well to all our sponsors, Framebridge, Simply Safe, Harry's Razors. Good to have Harry's back. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We have a new code, Dad. What's our code? It's turkey season. TK Gobble. Oh, uh, Gobble is great. Go check out the Pamlico sweatshirt. It's awesome. It's super comfy. It's great for the kids. And if you're interested in taking a little uh, something a little bit out of left field, go for their Tudor knit sweater. I've not worn it, but it looks like a combination of Mr. Rogers meets Coffee Shop Chic. Uh, Johnny O, like we are so happy to be involved TK with Johnny Gobble. O. Absolutely. TK Gobble. From John Juback. In Pittsburgh, on Friday's show, you somehow managed to segue from dog vomit to the World Series. Which instantly brought to mind a memory from my youth. I was watching the Pirates versus Phillies on local TV when Willie Stargell hit a titanic home run that sailed through an exit in the upper deck at Old Veterans Stadium. Bob Prince, in his raspy voice, gleefully proclaimed that, quote, he launched one into the vomitorium. Although it sounds like a place where Chessie would go to disengorge plastic frisbee bits, vomitorium is just a fancy Latin word for exit. As I write this, the Steelers, Penguins, and Pitt Panthers have combined for seven straight losses with the undefeated Eagles next up, and that's, a, you know, they beat them. This was from last week. Yes. Needless to say, this makes me want to head for the exit. <laughs> uh, from Tuck Sanzone, Todd Sanzone in Bristow, Virginia. I have had large dogs, including two pit bull mixes, one of which was a 100-pounder that looked vicious but was, in truth, the biggest, most lovable lap dog I've ever owned. Lovable or not, his bite and chewing tendencies could destroy an unworthy toy in a matter of minutes, if not seconds. Please see the link below for a Kong flying disc. Kong is the only brand of dog toy that can withstand the jaws of our big chewers. They're made with some super industrial strength plastic rubber mystery material that seems utterly indestructible. They should make airplanes out of this stuff. Maybe you wouldn't be worried when you fly. The plane would bounce rather than bursting. But I digress. I cannot speak to this Frisbee-like toy from Kong as I've never owned one, but I can tell you that we have had at least two other Kong toys that have lasted 10 years and two big dogs. It's honestly miraculous. Give it a try. What's the worst that could happen? A new color and texture of vomit? Kong. So we want to try and do that. That's the toy that you put the peanut butter inside. It looks, like, right? it looks like a pine cone. The, oh. Yeah, but that's not okay. the Frisbee. Okay. Uh, from Scott Gurney in East Selkirk in... Mebisoda in Canada. And he writes, while regurgitating shards of sharp plastic may be Chessie's idea of a good time, there's a better option. When a game of fetch is afoot, our go-to disc is from West Paw Design, a rubber disc which is easier on a dog's teeth and digestive system. Flies great, floats in water, and even doubles as a water dish after playtime is over. We've gone through a few of these over the years with our pooch, but they're far more durable and much safer than hard plastic. Make no mistake, a determined dog can still disassemble one, but it takes a while and makes for an enjoyable chew. Not much different from discovering a stash of year-old gummy bears. I bought our most recent <laughs> disc in a pet store in Canada, but I first found the discs in a Shields in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm sure you could find a distributor in the D.C. area, or there's always the online, online order option. Hello, Michael. And then he sends a link. It's a Westpaw <laughs> design 
So maybe we'll try that. I just want to say thank you for all the vomit talk after we've had an entire October of RSV Mm, with the uh, the three and under Projectile vomiting at the house. Not fun. From Grant McGuire in Huntington, West Virginia, who we like. I suggest you ask Jack Lynx to custom make some beef jerky frisbees for your dog. One toss and she'll be satisfied all day. You can keep a couple in your golf bag to chew on (laughs) when payday bars don't fill you at the turn. You'll be the talk of Columbia. From Greg Powell in Gambrels, Maryland, the Frisbees aren't working out, but there are other dog toys. Have you considered sand? That's funny. <laughs> John Davis in Austin, Texas, longtime listener, PTI viewer, I finally decided to write in and assist with the Chessie Frisbee issue. I've got a 110-pound lab mix named Boomer, who loves to chew on bone marrows, balls, and Frisbees. I've attached an Amazon link and a picture of Boomer's favorite Frisbee that is absolutely indestructible. It is described on Amazon as a floatable dog frisbee that is recyclable, latex-free, FDA-compliant, non-toxic, and made in the USA. Also, Boomer listens to every episode with me, and Tuesday, November 1st, will be his eighth birthday, and he'll appreciate a shout-out. So one day late, shout-out to Boomer. Yeah, and this is, this is from Zogoflex, from John Edinger in Liverpool, New York. Hyperflight by Jaws Frisbees, or Kong. It's a second mention for Kong. You're welcome. Um, From, who's this from? From Phil Kaplan. Happy to report I have mostly solved this kind of Frisbee conundrum for my five-year-old border collie who loves to chew any object into Bolivian. I love that, into Bolivian. Um, Not oblivion, but Bolivian. I do not work for these companies, so I cannot get you a box of that, but I'm sure the connective tissue will provide. The Hyperflight Frisbee, this is the second one on that, by the brand Jaws, J-A-W-Z makes an ultra-tough silicone frisbee that is still gentle to throw and much more difficult to destroy. Not impossible, but in most cases, I only have to buy new frisbees because we lose them, not because my beloved Arrow the dog, his full formal name, has eaten them. They don't float, though, so if you and Chessie like to get nautical with the frisbee, mm-hmm. I recommend the chocolate paraflight. This is a second for paraflight, which is also durable. Each of these has literally been field and stream-tested by my dog's teeth, and they don't make it to his digestive system. Hope this helps... Chessie. P.S. As a lifelong Browns fan, my favorite analysis through the entire team's recent drama was Booger McFarland on this very stinking show saying, quote, you know, Tony, it doesn't matter what happens legally. At the end of the day, your quarterback is a pervert. (laughs) I remember when he said that. It was so great. And from Clint Starling in Longwood, Florida, Buddha Frisbees, Buddha, as in most dogs are smart, Buddha this one, not so much. P.S. Any club you guys ever want to get in on Orlando, let me know. I got connections like Tony has kitchen outlets. <laughs> so thanks for all of those things. And let me remind you, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5 and 11. 5 and 11. Not very good. Not uh, but but there the was worst. something worse than us. I guess that's one positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team in the league.
Food or gas or an album to last her her next trip. 